0: Hi, everyone. This is Danielle Watley, and you're listening to HBA BuildCast. Hi, everyone. This is Danielle with HBA BuildCast. I'm here with John Hunt and Brian Knockhand from Acadian Home Theater and Automation. They're Silver Industry Partners with HBA. Welcome. So happy to have y'all here.
1: Glad to be here. Yeah, thanks a lot for having us.
0: Awesome. Well, why don't we start out by uh, just telling us a little bit about y'all's business?
1: So, uh, so we're located at 10552 Perkins Road, uh, currently behind uh, Bonds Bakery. And um, we are in the residential and commercial audio, video, and integration business. So we install everything from home theaters to security cameras. Uh, we control lights. We'll control shades, uh, thermostats, um, everything from
2: you know, walking your dog. No, we don't do that yet, but <laughs> maybe in the future. Awesome. So I I like to think that we take the technology that people already use and they're comfortable with, and then we find a way to weave it into their house and their lifestyle so it's easy to use as far as that goes. So we kind of take what they're already interested and used to using, introduce them to some new technology, but again, find that perfect balance of weaving it into their house so it's very natural, it's very easy to use, and it's uh, not something they're they're nervous to use or, or concerned about.
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel like today technology is at everyone's fingertips, so why not have it in the home, right? That's essentially what y'all do, is y'all just make it super accessible to your everyday life.
2: Exactly, so we try to we try to make it, again, easy, easy, easy to use, and so really the technology, I think there's a big thing out there where people are, are concerned and they're nervous and they're scared of technology, right? They see boxes and lights and knobs and buttons, but what we try to do is we try to give them the benefit Of technology we try to find out what are you trying to accomplish what's important to you safety ease of use saving time automating your daily routine what's 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 important to you and what drives you and we just happen to use technology to get them there and when we take that approach I think people um, find out it it is easy to use it does improve their day-to-day lifestyle and so uh, again we just try to use the technology as the vehicle to to get them there then, then that being our lead
1: Yeah. And, you know, speaking of vehicle, you know, one of the things we, we say a lot of times is most people when they get out of the car and they go into their home, they leave all their technology behind. You know, you wouldn't buy a car today without Bluetooth, without voice activation, without navigation, you know, without a bunch of these features. And then you're still going into your house that's built in 2020 and you're flipping on a manual light switch or you're going to the wall to turn the thermostat, you know, up and down or, you know, you have multiple apps for multiple things. It's not cohesive. And there's just a better way to do it. You know, the, the home is where you spend the most time, especially during the time we live in today. More people are spending time at home than ever before. And so what we try and do is show them that technology can be a great benefit. It can really enrich your everyday life and how you and your family interact at home every day.
0: That's great. I mean, I feel like um, the education piece would be a huge part of what y'all do on a regular basis
1: that's probably the biggest thing that we do is we're educators about technology there's so much information out there or i really like to think of it as noise you know it's if you go online and start looking up smart home or start looking up how to put music through your house or control the thermostat you're going to come up with 50 different ways to do it and 50 different apps and it's really confusing and so most consumers are left confused and frustrated And we want to kind of demystify that. You know, we've done the research. We have over 200 years combined experience at our company. And so with that experience comes just knowledge because we've kind of seen it. We've seen the evolution of where we are today. And so that's really our number one job is to educate people on what's available. And most people think about technology, they're scared to death of it. You know, they think I'm gonna spend all this money and I'm not gonna be able to use anything. And, you know, we, we like to think of it totally different, right? Where, you know, yes, you're going to have an investment in the technology, but we're going to make it so easy to use that you will use it every single day. And if you use it every single day, then we know it will add value to your life. And if we meet those two things, then spending the money should be secondary.
2: You know, a lot of people don't understand, the, the again, the true benefit of technology until you've experienced it it's like anything else, Brian mentioned a car. Once you have a feature on a car and you go buy another car, you're like, there's no way I'm not getting a car without another backup camera. The challenge the homeowner has today, and I even think builders, architects, interior designers, that that the whole sphere, is they don't see the benefit we do on a daily basis. They don't see the end result. And, and also since we have it in our home, they don't get to experience being able to walk in the house, hit one button, and nine things happen. And not that I want those nine things to happen to make the house cooler than it is. I was going to have to do those nine things anyway so they don't really see the 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 day-to-day benefit that the homeowner and the client gets and so what we're trying to also do is kind of if you could almost turn that around and bring them to the end of the installation and go we're going to show you and paint you a picture of the world we live in in our own home with our own family and kids and wives and and tasks that we have to do and here's how we've made it easier simpler we cut time out of our day we've automated routines it's just more enjoyable cooking dinner and hanging out and brushing teeth because the system works with us. So we try to take them and get them to the end and not look at the boxes and the, and, and the, the technical side of it, if that makes sense. It's really hard to get them there and let them know what can be because most of the time all they see is the technology, the, the words, the things that they don't understand, and some of the, some of the negative experiences their friends may have had by doing it some of the ways Brian talked about, a DIY guy did it and it didn't work. Or I had someone uh, that was focused on selling me stuff and not solving my problem. So my experience wasn't as well as it should be. So they're also coming in with poor experiences or friends from other situations too. And they've got to get past all that to be able to get the benefit. And I think think we really focus on selling the solution and how we can make day-to-day life better. And then again, the technology is completely secondary. It's just how we get them there.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's exactly what you said. It's freeing up time to focus on what's important. So, I mean, we talk about how, you know, our phones will take up a lot of time and, you know, away from like social interaction. Like what y'all do actually encourages social interaction. It takes away all of those extra steps that you have to do to get you focused on your family, on spending time together. Like you're not focused on everything else. Like let the technology work for you.
2: Exactly. And there's a, there's a security standpoint of it as well. So again, imagine, you know, you come home to your house typically, and you walk in the house, you turn the alarm off and you turn the light in the hall and the washroom and the kitchen and the living room. I mean, you, you go through the house. So, so imagine now when you pull up, you have the ability, whether when the garage door in, indicates it, or you open the back door, six rooms of lights come on. So now again, imagine walking into a well-lit house, Versus a dark house, just just the peace of mind that you or your or your wife or your kids get when they come home, walking into that house knowing it's well lit. I feel comfortable, like I've been here all day, and so just those things that you can't really you can't really describe their their technology, like right, they're not music, they're not watching movies, those type of things, but. You know, he and I talk all the time. That lighting control is probably one of our our things that we like the most talking about. Building a house, that's probably one of the last things that we give up because you turn lights on and use lights every single day. Now imagine that light switch turns on music on the back patio or just shuts the house down for the day. So now you don't have to even get your phone out. It's just that intuitive.
0: I'm sure that's a common misconception of people who come to you for certain technology aspects. They may just be coming for more of a home theater or... You know, a surround sound, different things that y'all may offer. You know, what are the sort of um, underrated things besides the lighting that y'all offer?
1: There's the most important thing, and it always starts with the network of the house, the home network. Um, it is the engine of the car, so to speak. Without it, I mean, forget it, right? Like, especially today with kids that are distance learning, with mom and dad that are having to work from home, with Zoom meeting, Zoom meetings. You have to have a good, strong network, a good, strong wireless network. And the solution that Cox and at and provide will basically give you Wi-Fi in about a 1,200 square foot area, maybe. You know, and most homes today are, now they're much larger, 2,500, 3,500, 4,500, and so on and so on. And so they just can't provide a good wireless network for the whole house. So that's where it really starts that people they don't even think about that right they don't think when they're talking to someone like us that oh yeah i I do need wi-fi to be great because my son plays video games and everything we do is streaming now right so people are cutting the cord more and more and more like you know my son's uh 22 years old he will never have a pay for tv service that will be totally foreign to him everything he does with his television will be you know hulu netflix Amazon Prime, Amazon Video, those sort of things. And so to be able to deliver that and have it work and work 100% of the time, you have to have a very strong network and network backbone, almost like a small commercial building. And that's just standard for us. It's it's actually non-negotiable to do business with us because we know that one is if that breaks, then you forget it. The family is going to be mad, right? If they can't play video games or watch Netflix, then... That's, that's like the end of the universe for most people, right? You can't get on the internet. Um, but the second side of it is everything we do ties into the internet, right? So lighting control, music, um, all the things that we talked about, all the great features that John mentioned, if you don't have a good network, those things are just simply not gonna work.
2: Another thing that's, that again, the people come to us, they're, they're thinking the first thing I wanna do is X, right? And they label what out. And there's already an A and a B and a C that's got to come before that um, or it's not going to work efficiently. So another thing that's become uh, very popular, and uh, I give Brian a lot of credit because we were on the forefront of this for, I I think, even in our region, not just Louisiana, but managing and fixing and servicing the system remotely. So all of a sudden now when when the pandemic came, it was like, I, I want my network, but I don't want you in my home. I, I want my network fixed yeah. but at this point i'm not even comfortable you coming in with a mask so we have systems in place that seven out of ten times we don't roll a truck to fix the system wow. because we can remote in we've got a strong network we've again we've we've built this system together before in our in our software and our engineering before we ever even came out to install it so we know what we can remote in we can access we can push updates to we can reboot things because there's going to be problems. Even if the system was perfect, you still have outside forces. You lose power, the internet service provider goes down in the neighborhood for an hour and a half, power blips going back and forth. So you're going to have some things that are going to kind of just get out of whack. And so if we have the ability instantly from the phone call we take to fix your system seven out of 10 times and not roll a truck and you're back up and running, that again goes back to that value he's talking about. My My downtime is very low, so I get to use it a lot so the, the cost per use is really, really low because this thing's always running. So those are things we factored in before we even start designing a system, um, and that's become something people are, are now aware of, that we can work on the system remotely, whereas two or three years ago, it was it was completely foreign to them. It was an expense I didn't want to incur. I didn't see the benefit of it until an hour before the LSU game. Or <laughs> my, my network's down, and I've got a conference call in an hour. That i've got to get on and you mean i could pick up the phone 24 7 call you and most of the time you fix it pretty quickly right then now you, you'll you would pay four times what that was for and so now they now they're seeing the value and they're kind of almost getting used to it and a little spoiled that we, we again we don't typically follow the old broke fix model where you have a problem call in we'll get you on schedule we'll come out the day after tomorrow and it's just a it's a long laborious process before you can get your system back up and running
0: Yeah. I mean, you're definitely not going to get that with anything from DIY situation, you know, that constant, I mean, picking up a phone and having y'all right there. I think the remote fixing is, like you said, especially with the pandemic, like that's, you know, entirely what people are looking for. And, you know, a lot of people don't have time to, you know, cut out of their day to be like, oh, someone's going to be here between... Twelve and five, maybe you know. So I mean, that's super efficient. I know that's what everyone needs in their life these days.
2: Yeah, we joke with people if they if they're if if they're going to do the DIY process, more power to them, right? But we always remind them: once you go down that road, you are the technician, mm-hmm. you are customer service, you are customer <laughs> support. So you better kind of have it all figured out because you're you're the go-to. You have to you have to figure these things out that come up after the six steps online said to do, and it's still not working. Now what do I do? You're you're it
1: well what we you know it's funny because what I realized in my own personal life and, and I think business has evolved that way right like how do I interact with people I need to come and work and when I need them right so when you need people at your home it's usually an emergency like the HVAC's out you know I have no hot water or whatever the case may be like I can't wait days for that and while this isn't an emergency if music doesn't work in your house it's still you You invested money in it and it should work as much as we can make it work a hundred percent of the time. And so what we found is our customers are, they don't need us Monday through Friday eight to five. You know, they're at work, they're at school, you know, they're running errands, they're, they're living their life when they need us is after five and on the weekends. And that's where people fail a hundred percent of the time. Our competition, no matter how great they are, they fail. And frankly, for a long time, we failed in that area. Now, I'm the guy that would leave my wife at church and go to your house on a Sunday and fix it because that's just how we're wired. Um, But there's only so much that we're, and and, you know, and our employees are available. So we created these systems and we created the software to be able to handle things instantly. And that's why we're able to do jobs in Florida and South Carolina and North Carolina and Aspen and Texas. People trust us in those areas, not because we're there. I mean, they're plane flights away in some instances, but it's because they know that if they call us, we will respond immediately and we can fix most things without having to be there. And it's just the right thing to do. And frankly, people today expect it. We live in the Amazon world, right? We're about to have same day shipping here soon. We live in the Netflix. I'm not gonna wait to watch a show, I'll binge it. So people are not willing to wait and you have to evolve with your customer base as well. And I've been saying this for about two years and I believe it today more firmly than I ever have, that if you're not obsessed with customer service, you're out of business and it's going to happen soon. And so the more things we can do to put the customer first and to meet their needs, even before they know they're going to have them, the better we're going to be in the future.
0: Well, it sounds like you'll have customer service on lock. Yeah. That's awesome. Well,
1: we try. We're not perfect yeah. by any stretch. Well, yeah. I mean, we still drop the ball from, from time to time, you know, we're... But the good thing is, is that we will self-evaluate, you know, I, of course, I love the attaboys, the pat on the back when the customer calls and says, you guys are amazing. And we love those things to share with our team. But, you know, maybe weirdly enough, I like the call of, Hey, y'all screwed up here because that gives me an opportunity to take a step back and say, okay, we messed up. How do we fix it? What do we do as a company to make sure this doesn't happen again? And I think those are the things that we relish in because it only makes us stronger. Yeah.
0: So how did y'all get started?
1: So, I mean, for me, it was more of a dumb luck really, I think is the best way to say it. Um, I worked for a local alarm company uh, here in town for a lot of years. Uh, and then I went to work for uh, a big national company doing fire alarm and access control. Uh, I was always interested in this sort of stuff. So I kind of dabbled doing it on the side. And you know, a lot of times your hobbies turn into your your career type thing. Um, that that happened with me. You know, uh, the the hobby side of it kept me busier and busier and busier. Um, and I was really fortunate that my wife had a great paying job and she was super supportive. She believed in me when most people wouldn't, I don't think, and really pushed me uh, to kind of step out. And so, just a couple of us in a in a truck in a warehouse. Um, And then, you know, John, I'll let him talk about his kind of start, but, you know, John had a a company and and was doing uh, similar work. Um, And I realized that, you know, I can only take this so far, right? Like there's only so much bandwidth I have. And, you know, I'm an execution guy. Like I will put my head through the wall and I will make it happen no matter what. But I'm not a visionary. I needed someone that could take me another step further. Um, and a lot of the things that I lacked, he had. And so, you know, we we've been friends for years. And so, I approached him and said, "Hey, why don't you quit doing that and come on board here?" And you know, the rest is history. It worked, yeah, so to well, because
2: we um, same situation started out for alarm company for about twelve years. and Went out on my own, and had a AB company for about three years, and and one I just wanted to do things differently. Saw what I thought was lacking out there, so I went in, in a different direction. And um, what happened was. I didn't want to be in his world at all. I didn't want to have anything to do with computers. And then, in his world, he had a niche for larger projects, more complicated estates and stuff like that. And so I kept sending him the big stuff. He kept sending me the small stuff. So at one point, we're like, well, the, the, the guy in the middle is really getting left out of this because there's a comfort level I can't go beyond because of the equipment that I, that I have. And, and he was just built for larger projects. And so... I think that was probably the biggest wins when we came together of again being able to figure things out together but also that person that's spending that money in the middle is now has a voice of someone going we've got someone to do a large project they can work on a smaller project but we're also nimble enough to go put in a wireless network and hang two tvs and a sound bar for that person but they still get all those things we mentioned they get the the network support they get an i.t company at heart they get the the, the ability to remote into projects so it, it's, it's a good blending of all that as well. And then we've kind of got the same mindset of just put the customer service first and then di- and we'll just, we'll figure out all the, all the other stuff as well. So it's been, it's going on 10 years now. So it's been, it's been great.
0: Sounds like y'all have a really good balance. Now that's super important in a partnership with any business. Speaking of uh, designing the actual technology part of the home, how early would somebody contact y'all? Is this something like they've already built their house and they want to just add it in? Or is this, you know, really crucial at like the start or end of a remodel or home building process?
1: So there's never an early enough time to talk to us. If you're talking with an architect, you should talk to us as well. Uh, for a couple of reasons. One is that the architect, you know, I love them. They do it. You can't have a house without them, but they don't think about technology. So when they're designing a house and they're designing, you know, the rooms of the house and the electrical system, they don't ever think about lighting control. So it's still toggle switch on off, you know, uh, on the wall. Um, And they also don't think about in most homes, we need an area to put all the equipment, whether that's a closet or depending on how large the system or the house is, maybe it's a room, maybe it's a small little cabinet, but we need an area and it gets overlooked 10 out of 10 times. Um, So again, it's never too early to talk with us because You know, one of the benefits is that we've done thousands of projects all over the country. So we've done everything from a 1,200 square foot condo to we did one in West Palm Beach at 64,000 living and everything in between. So we have the benefit of seeing a lot of different things. And so I think we add a lot of value just from an education standpoint, uh, not only for the homeowner, but for the architect as well. Um, but we do, I think, 50-50, right? I mean, new construction is pretty hot here right now, so we, we're doing a ton of new construction, that's awesome. But even in 2008, 2009, you know, there wasn't a lot of new construction. Our, our business was 80% retrofit, so we might come into your home, you've lived in for three or four years, and you're ready for some technology, or you're frustrated with lack of or what you have. Um, but the earlier we're involved, whenever there's new construction or renovation, the better because we can plan uh, properly. And, And the big thing too is, we can put a plan together that works long term. So you might be building a home and say, you don't have the budget to do everything you wanna do. So we try and put together, I call it the lottery system. You hit the lottery tomorrow, you can do everything you've ever dreamed of. Well, we're gonna wire and put the infrastructure in for that system. Now you may take 10 years to get there, but we have the infrastructure in place to be able to do it. And I think a lot of homes we go in today, they miss that, right? So we'll go into a beautiful home in a, like a Willow Grove neighborhood, and it wasn't really well thought out from an infrastructure side. So they may have just put in what they need for right now. Well, then they sell the house, someone else moves in, and they want to do something totally different. And we struggle sometimes in that area. We're like, well, we have to do a wireless technology, or we may have to cut this drywall because the infrastructure wasn't put in place. And even our builders that we work with that uh, build some spec homes, um, they're pretty they're pretty good about putting the proper infrastructure in place today that no matter what you want to do as a homeowner, you have the ability to do it now and forever. Because the systems today, they're kinda of like Legos. You can start with a very little and you can end
2: up with a lot. Yeah, I think I think that Brian touched on it a little bit, but budget is I've you do this long enough and you feel for that homeowner that comes in with the plan that goes here's what i want to do and you go okay it's x amount of dollars and it's just like because because they didn't think about you know we talked about a, a, a network or a rack for your equipment they're just things that weren't on their radar so you start adding them up together and they get to a larger number just because they're a bunch of small things but when someone's building a house you're always over budget right i mean you're typically over budget when it gets framed because you've already done things and a lot of times when they come late in the process, they've already allocated those funds. And so then they have to start cutting somewhere. And so what we've seen, because we do a lot of fixes of systems where there's a lot of band-aids on systems that we come back to repair them that could have been done differently, is we see the, the money and the frustration the homeowner had for those 18 months while they just dealt with what they could get for the money they had left versus, let's just do it in phases and let's nail phase one, right? And be patient and do phase two. But at least if they had a realistic budget in the beginning, then they can make some educated decisions to go, you know what, we're going to balance it. We're going to get a little more in this area, and we're going to hold off on the bonus room upstairs to finish it up. Or we're going to do the pool nine months later when it gets summer again. I mean, at least they've got all the information, but typically they come late in the game. They were over-budget and under-budget on our stuff to begin with. It just compounds a problem, and you really... You really do see they're, they're, them having to do a lot of settling of. Oh, I, I can't do what I wanted to do because no one really told me what's a realistic square, you know, money per square foot for AV. We do it for flooring, we do it for framing, we do it for everything else when you're building a house. What's that going to cost me per square foot? We can we can tell them. You do enough jobs, you get enough data that you can say it's going to be X per square foot. So at least they go into that process of knowing. I've got to manage my, my buckets of money a little bit better when I'm building this house.
0: That's great to know. I mean, I feel like this is the future of where home building is going. No doubt. Like, where do you see this? Like, you know, just moving forward.
1: Sure. So, you know, I, I say this a lot that Baton Rouge and Louisiana, South Louisiana is, you know, we're behind, right? In trends and different technologies and, and things that happen. And so, uh, you know, I remember whenever I was younger, we were in my wife brought me to South Beach for my birthday, visit friends. Um And a girl had a Red Bull and I was like, "Hmm, what's Red Bull? And so five months later, it hits Baton Rouge. But it's just it's indicative of Baton Rouge, right? So if you go build a home in Dallas and you sit down with an architect or you go build a home in Houston or in Los Angeles or some larger cities, they are drawing lighting control systems in every single house they do. It's not an option whether or not you're going to get it. It's just the way it should be done, especially in a house that's forty five hundred square feet and larger. Um, and I think that's where we're going. I think that technology, the prices are, they keep coming down, which is good for the consumer. And technology becomes easier to use and more redi- readily available. People become more comfortable with it, right? Now people are talking into their phone. I mean, whoever thought that would happen. And so people are getting comfortable with having devices in their house that they're asking what the temperature is. And, you know, Amazon's betting huge on everyone having a device in their home that they talk to. So I think that's where technology is going, is that more and more architects and more and more builders will, it'll be a standard package of what they do. You know, it's no different than Central Air and Heat. There was a time, probably less than 30 years ago, where that was an option in homes. But you would not build a home today without Central Air and Heat, no matter how cheap it is. You know, I remember the guy that built my house, and I won't say his name, he was a fantastic builder, by the way. Built a beautiful home. And I remember we were walking through when we bought it because it was a brand new construction. Um, it was in the, one of the parades. And he said, I, "I, you know, I put a tech shield roof and I did this was the insulation I used and energy efficient, this and that. And I was like, why'd you do that? He goes, well, because it's the right thing to do. I said, well, you know, I can't even put a wireless network in this house. Like there's no wire anywhere to do anything. He's like, well, no one ever asked me for that. I was like, well, no one ever asked you for the energy efficiency things that you did, too. You did it because it's the right thing to do. And I think it's just an education thing, right? Like he wasn't doing it to not do a good job. But it's more about education because they think that simply because you don't ask them for it, that you don't want it. But most consumers, again, they don't know what to ask for. You know, uh, Steve Jobs said that people don't know what they want. You have to tell them. And with technology, that's probably more true than in any other other industry simply because there's so much stuff out there that people just don't know. And so um, I think that that's one of the main things of of what we're going to see in the future. We're going to see more standardized technology being put into homes because it's just going to be people are not going to settle for not having certain technologies in their home the more and more, um, the more and more we see it
2: one thing that's going to happen is you know we talk about misinformation right so most people we run across today that make everything's wireless and everything's an app and, and, and that statement is, is sort of true what Brian's talking about as things become more fluid and, and, and they evolve so you walk in your home and it's normal to say so you know voice of command and have four things happen in four rooms it's going to be more natural it's going to be more required it's going to be more necessary for those things to be wired and integrated together and so it's the more we go to technology and the more we go with things that are that are like that it's actually we're going to need to integrate that wire it connect it and design it together more than ever before so uh, a big concern i can see happening is is, is, is people or builders or, or someone building themselves thinking again everything's wireless everything's an app i'll build it and i'll figure it out later and then now the tail's wagging the dog you the you're 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 not getting what you want you're getting what you can do or what you can do in that house So it's going to be more important to wire it, have a plan, design it, and figure out how all this stuff's going to fit together when you're ready to move in and want that final system to be all communicating together. So it's kind of funny as we move in the technology world, old school pulling wire is going to be more important than ever. And having this stuff integrated and planned and designed is going to be critical.
0: One of the things that I found fascinating when I visited y'all's showroom was how effortless the um, even the speakers were how y'all even think about those small design aspects of there's not a giant speaker in your corner anymore it blends perfectly into the aesthetic of your home can y'all speak more about that aspect of the design
1: sure um, you know a lot of that is born because i'm married to an interior designer
0: ah. and
1: so you know i remember maybe 15 years ago we did a system for a good friend of mine and uh, he invited us over for dinner And had these big speakers on the floor in the living room that, you know, we thought were awesome, were guys, right? And we left, and I asked my wife, I'm like, so what did you think she goes, You destroyed those people's living room. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, what do you mean? And so that just really started us down the path of design aesthetic first. Uh, Everything we do today has design aesthetic in mind, no matter what it is. Um, we try and hide as much stuff as we can we try and make things blend in as seamlessly with what's already there so we work really well with interior designers because we don't try and compete with they're trying to make the home beautiful and they don't like technology because they see it as you know ugly or wall acne or some of the terms they like to use and so we try and the best of our ability have it seamlessly blend in and we do that in a lot of different ways you know Historically, we would put an 8-inch in-ceiling speaker in. Now it's still flush and it still looks nice, but now in homes, they're going with a more modern light fixture. So they're going with a 4-inch can and they're maybe using a square design. Well, we can adapt to that as well. So we use a 4-inch speaker with a square grill, so it blends in. So when you look up at the ceiling and you see these things, they, they blend in. And the more that we can do that, the better. And we try and hide things as much as possible. TVs as well. You know, we'll pop them out of furniture or have them have art in the way or have something that is art now become a television. And it's all about that design aspect of it.
2: Because we we have our own homes too, and so we we balance the two. But I think our ultimate goal, is probably silly for us to say, but our ultimate goal would be for you to not know there's any technology in the home. To walk in and... You go, let's listen to music or watch TV and it not be apparent of where it is, where it's coming from, or it's obvious that's a TV. So, I mean, our, our number one ultimate goal is to not see our stuff, us be in the background out of sight, out of mind, and just be there to make the event or the time you're spending with friends and family better, not the focal point of the room.
0: What's the most, like the coolest job you all have ever done or just a favorite feature you've ever put in a home?
1: I would say, you know, for, I can't speak for everyone that does what I do, but I think most guys have built their dream theater before, right? Like if money was no object, you could, endless checkbook, what would you use from speakers to projector, to screen, to, you know, electronics? And uh, we were fortunate. We we got called to redo a theater um, in North Louisiana, and it was a very, very large room, and he wanted a no holds bar theater, and money was no object. And so it was a seven-figure theater, and um, it, was, it was unbelievable. I mean, it was, it was the best of the best of the best that was out there. And, and we really got to showcase um, our expertise in, in bringing the whole project together and making it just a real magical experience for him.
2: I think, I think that the trend that's been happening in the last year um, probably is the combination the outdoor living space. I think it is, is if you're saying, I'm going to pick a room in the house and focus on that and dump a lot of money and technology out of that to really benefit from it, it would be increasing the size of the outdoor living space and make it a true living space with mosquito screens, air conditioning, TV, even surround sound, and probably a screen and projector. Like, why, why would you not watch the LSU game on a 100-inch screen outside? Because you can. And then control the environment with air conditioning and mosquito screens uh really incredible sound and make it where there's multiple places to sit fireplace so i think that's a lot of people are realizing they can also build that area outside for a little less they can under roof inside but if i can do those things and increase that for less money and still get a ton of function out of there then uh, we do and we both we both probably like music way more than we like tv so that space outside would be Um, really, really high-end audio just to be able to go out there with a glass of wine or glass of iced tea and just listen to music. Not even turn the TV on. Fireplace and music and just kind of get lost in that for an hour or so in the nice weather. So outdoor living spaces would be my place.
0: Well, I can tell you I love my screen porch and I think anybody who likes to entertain, especially in Louisiana, having control over their, their environment would be ideal considering that, like you said, mosquitoes or the heat or anything and being able to just have people over in a comfortable environment would be you know ideal um speaking of music what's y'all's favorite band
2: i'm listening to uh I, I like need to breathe a lot so i listen to need to breathe quite a bit
1: i listen to everything and i really go through weird phases of you know i listen to different genres and Maybe because it's getting cold outside. Maybe because I now drive a big truck. I don't know. I've been listening to a lot of country music. I'm always like, "What is going on?" <laughs> I'm like, I just like Chris Stapleton. I don't know. I'm really down oh, with that right Chris now. Chris Stapleton, yeah.
0: Nice. What's your favorite thing about Louisiana?
1: I think the people of Louisiana are great. You know, um, I would never move to Louisiana if I wasn't from here. But I don't think I would ever move away from Louisiana. It, it's kind of how I feel. You know. Nothing really beats a Saturday night in Tiger Stadium, you know, if we ever get back to that, hopefully soon. I think Louisiana is a great place to raise a family. You know, I think Louisiana people are welcoming, um, especially when new people come in, you know, people will embrace them. I mean, look at the flood, you know, you had the Cajun Navy rise up. I mean, we were out rescuing people in 16 in the flood here, and then we were rescuing people in Houston in the flood there. I think that's the best of who Louisiana
2: is. Yeah, I would say the people and the, and, the, and the food. So my wife moved here from California. She said we um, we lived, you know, we ate to live. She goes, "You guys live to eat. It's a whole so different true. animal." She goes, "I never really realized that food was supposed to be created and prepared to get that kind of taste out. We just ate because it was dinner time, and then you ate and you moved on." She said, "Down here, you guys, everything you're all in on food, and so the food down here is, you know, so special."
0: I think you both touch on. I mean, for my for myself, like the culture is something that when you live here and you, you know, just live it, you understand it, and it's someone where you can move into it and you can experience it like that. But it's like you said, like you know, I don't know necessarily if I would like come from the outside and and really understand it coming into it. But once you're like here, it's hard to leave, you know. Especially for food, if you travel, you'll learn real quick mm-hmm. the difference between people knowing how to season stuff and yeah, not. No. <laughs>
2: The other thing too is it's kinda of interesting, you talk about the 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 culture, right? And because what we do because we're trying to put such emphasis on the customer experience, but we also do stuff that's music and movies which people are emotionally attached to and they can remember in high school and when they get the song they got married to and stuff like that, it's a unique combination that a lot of our clients we end up becoming friends with, and we go to dinner with, and we go. We've been on vacation with them before, and it'll be uh, to a ball game or this or, or or invite them up to the to the showroom for the big fight or things Yours like fixed that. Your heart. And so, exactly. So one, <laughs> wow. so one of my clients kept me alive, and so um, it's just we have a lot of that, and so that's something that's kind of unique, I think, about a South Louisiana, but. industry that we're in with what it touches emotionally and and again you're in their home you're the most private parts and it just they interweave and so it's it's really cool that some of the people a lot of our clients we consider really good friends and we communicate and interact with them on a weekly basis
0: that's awesome i can't believe you had somebody that you worked for that fixed your heart it was it was a great
2: comfort to be able to pick up the phone and go okay how's this going to go down and and what's the case and joke with him to go if you mess this up we're not coming out to fix anything. So it was a nice little, uh, we were both accountable.
0: Yeah. Just an even trade. Exactly. Right? Exactly. There you go. So y'all have been valued members of the HBA and y'all are silver industry partners. What does the HBA membership mean to y'all?
2: Um, I, I like having it as a resource as well. as someone in the industry trying to move the, again, move the ball forward. And so, um, this wasn't a plug for, for y'all as a, Association, It's more about the members. But I will say um, it's really good that you guys have been trying to get the members together to go, okay, we're not, like Brian mentioned, we're not Dallas. We're not some of these other cities, but we need to be. And so we can all just individually figure it out on our own and try to get better by ourselves and just go our own way. Or we can come together and admit there's some shortcomings and we need to get better at whatever that may be, right? Whether it be at our offices and our back office or how we interact with or how we hire people or how we interact with other trades within the association of that's that's what's important to being able to connect with other people that are in the same trade that want to the customer experience to be better from whatever we're doing for them and find a way to kind of work together and go back and forth and and get there so it's it's good that y'all are really pushing um people to get together talk figure it out other than um you know typically in the past it's kind of been Everybody figure out their own stuff, and then we'll come together two, or three times a year for the for the fish fry and the mm-hmm. home show, and do this and that. We'll talk, and we'll all get along real well, and we'll have a good conversation. But then we'll go back to work and do our own thing for three, four months, and then until we see each other again. So um, that's what we're excited about. What brought us back the fact that we saw we saw some real change of going. Let's get everybody together on a regular basis and figure this thing out together, as opposed to individually.
1: You know. I was, uh, I was not a fan of, the, of this group um, previously. I think that I felt like it was the home show and that was it. And then the home show, I mean, consumers shop different today and their expectations are different and how they're going to evaluate who they're going to use is different. And I felt like that the, uh, the HBA just wasn't moving with the times. That is completely different today. Like you guys, I'm, I'm really super excited to be a part and just see where you're gonna take it in the future. You know, young, fresh leadership that, that really wants to bring the builders together to, to do the best possible job they can do to serve our community. And I'm, I'm excited to be a part of that. I'm excited to be a part of the new wave of change that's happening in HBA.
0: Well, we're excited to have y'all a part of it. Like you said, y'all are in the business of moving technology forward, and I know we're happy to have y'all be leaders in the community and in the HBA to where you can educate all of our members and the public on where home building is going. I think that's so important. Um, We're just gonna do a couple of sort of, you know, random questions towards the end. Okay. Um, what is something you're not very good at? It seems like you know y'all are great at technology and y'all've got that, but what's something that you would uh, like to share with us?
2: I struggle with 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 sticking through through things, believe it or not. So I'm really good at going, okay, here's a problem, here's a solution, here's the seven steps to get there, and here's what I'm gonna do, and I've got this, and, and lining everything up to get out of the gate really strong, and then week six or the 12th time you need to do it, an excuse pops up, and so just Finishing strong is something that um, being diligent and being task oriented and just staying through that all the way to the end is something that uh, I'm not real great at. Um,
1: you know, I'm not very good at golf. I'd like to be, <laughs> you know, I played a bunch and tried to be good and, you know, that. And I think my wife would probably say cooking because I don't cook at all. So and the men in my family are cooks, too. So it, it skipped me for some reason.
0: Have you all played top golf? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Is it a little easier? I mean, I've never even There's attempted no it. There's pressure in top golf. <laughs>
1: yeah. You just get up There's there, fairways the real wide.
2: Yeah.
0: I'll tell you, I missed uh, my first at least five swings at yeah. top golf, so I'm not even going to brave an actual course. <laughs> I'll just drive the cart. Funny. <laughs> um, well, I would have asked you this, but you said you can't cook. But what's your favorite thing to eat then? And then to you, uh, what's your favorite thing to cook?
1: <laughs> so eat. You know, my wife's. I'm not a foodie. You know, she, she, her and my son, they're foodies. They love to eat. And uh, while I like food, I mean, I'd probably be more like John's wife where I could just eat to eat and move on. Um, I'd say probably my favorite thing to eat, um, probably a good steak. Yeah, I mean, you know, probably boring. But like
0: grilling at home or like from a restaurant?
1: No, from a restaurant. Um, if I can go and have someone else do the work, that's always going to be a little better. Um and there's a couple of good places you know i give french market bistro a shout out i eat there a ton you know their food is consistently good every single time you go and they have a fantastic steak
2: i don't do i'm i am guilty of being more the eater at the house than the cooker um but i do like i guess because it's so simple to cook and you can't really mess it up and so we do a lot of salmon at the house so just being able to cook salmon and prepare it, throw it in the oven and forget about it and so that's That'll be my one or two go-tos because, again, I, I can do it. It's easy. I'm not going to really mess it up too bad, and then I can, you know.
0: I'm glad you said that because I've had so many people tell me that they're so afraid to cook salmon. And oh, I was no. like, it's maybe the easiest thing to cook. I mean, yeah. it's, it's hmm. like a really fatty fish, so it's it's hard all, to overdo. It's, it's
2: almost hard to mess <laughs> up. I mean, I like I'm salmon. This. I'm going to have to come over yeah. and get some oh, salmon. There yep. you go. You there can invite us over, yeah. too. There we you go. Know?
0: Just have a whole outdoor yeah. surround sound party. Perfect. <laughs> Um, What's y'all's favorite childhood memory?
1: I think, you know, Christmas. You know, my grandparents raised me, and so, um, you know, waking up Christmas morning, and my grandmother was always super excited about Christmas, and my grandfather was like, yeah, just get it over with. But, you know, it was, I think those memories, you know, going in the living room at, you know, still dark outside and having all the presents there, those are probably some of my favorite memories. Favorite childhood memories.
2: Uh, high school is always good because you can always, you know, lie to your kids that it was greater and better and you were <laughs> awesome. And, you know, so they've got no reference, right? They can't check any references of, as far as that. And you're still friends with a lot of those people. But um, I keep remembering there was one time when my parents bought a van and we just drove out to California one summer, went out to San Diego and stopped all along the way. I think we were gone for like two months. And, and you, you, just, you can't do that anymore, right? I mean, you can't go, hey, we're going to go somewhere for the summer. You just... It's not, and I think we got to the point and then my stepdad had arranged for the van to be sold at a used car place and we flew home. It was just, it was, it was the weirdest trip, but it's, and it was all, at all kind of side stops of, you know, four kids in the van fighting the whole time while we're there. But it was one of those deals that it was a, it was a blast. It was fun. Y'all were like the Griswolds. It was. But we were (laughs) pre-Griswold. We didn't even realize it. Yeah.
0: Uh, So I wanted to shout out Fridays at Acadian. Uh, We had so much fun as staff we came and y'all showed off your system and we absolutely loved it. Um, Can you tell everyone a little bit about it?
2: Yeah and that was kind of born out of what we talked about right so people misconceptions about technology scared of technology Um, and let's even be honest the sales process a lot of times is broken is I'm gonna come to your place you're gonna sell me some stuff I don't need so we wanted to how can we make it lower the barrier of entry and make it so laid back, so casual, it's kind of, you know, window dressing, come looking and shopping that way. So we're open every Friday from 12 to 4, and so the con- the concept was to be able to set it in an environment where people could come in and look, ask a question if they don't even want to ask a question, come in, grab some literature and go, or spend the whole four hours there, and we'll show them everything we we do and just have a conversation about what's going on in your home now and how can we improve it, and here's how we get there. And again, it's not really about the technology, it's about Recreating that environment in the living room space or the kitchen or whatever the uh, situation is, and also again, kind of as we're talking for our trade partners, we we also realize that everyone is busy. So builders, architects, interior designers, remodelers, uh, pool guys—they've got crazy schedules. They're running around taking care of their clients. So we also wanted to say there's a place where you can come and check in, bring a client, unexpected, no appointment necessary. You don't have to call ahead of time you find an extra hour on a day, or you're driving through town and you've got a client and they have a question, pop in unannounced, take a look, ask us whatever you need to, introduce us to whomever, um, show your client what you were talking about, here's exactly what I was saying, see how it would look on the wall or how it would sound. And so we wanted to kind of try to kind of disrupt that and change that as opposed to um, always trying to set things, particular dates and times, just leave it open-ended so people didn't feel like they had to really commit to a particular day or time.
1: Yeah, and I got to give John kudos on that. Um, you know, historically in our industry, it's appointments, right? You know, you call, you have a need, or we meet some kind of way and we set an appointment and we come, you know, show you the showroom and we love to do those type of things. But, you know, being able to open it up to anyone at any time, and we do encourage our trade partners to, to use the space, you know, if they want to use the conference room or if they want to, uh, you know, we did a, a system for guys, a, a videographer, and so I said, look, if you want to do premieres of your of your work or you want to use a space, use it at the open house or really anytime. You know, we, we want that space to be used as, as much as possible.
0: Well, I feel like that ties nicely back into y'all's passion for um, customer service. You know, but that is about wrapping it up for us. Um, is there anything else that y'all would like to tell everybody?
2: I would just say if you have, um, if you've got questions, just pick up the phone or reach out or, or stop by. Again, that's the, the best way to debunk that thought you have or the misconception. Or Sometimes a lot of people we talked about earlier in the process don't ask because I don't want to ask a dumb question. or and So therefore I don't ask and nothing happens and then I get into the building process and I'm frustrated. So we always want to be kind of a, a resource and encourage people to go, come talk to us and figure this thing out ask questions and and understand what's going on in the world technology because the more you know about it the more you can take advantage of it and you really do get the benefits on the back end the person that's scared of it because what it may or may not do never gets to experience what all the time-saving and all the fun factors it has in your home
1: yeah I just want to say thank you to the to the builders uh, and the partners that are that are members of the HBA, I mean, the, the guys that are building homes today are some of the better builders and, and best people that are out there. They, they really want to do a good job and they care about what they do and they care about the finished product and they care about the people that they're working for. And so I just want to say thank you to that. You know, it hasn't always been that way in Louisiana, at least not that we've saw or seen, excuse me. Um, but the guys that are doing it today, by and large, do a great, great job.
0: Well, we're super thankful for um, y'all being our industry partners and all of the expertise that you lend our members and your connections with all of the builders. Um, but we just want to thank you for being here today and spending time with us and educating not only us, but also our members. So thanks again.
2: This was fun.
1: Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks a lot.
0: Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed listening to HBA BuildCast. See you next time.